Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Sixty-nine today, Psalm sixty-nine, and I would, I would seriously, folks, I would start going through and saying how glad it was, good, how good it was to see such and such and such and such, but that might just be fifteen to thirty minutes within time right there. And I know you want lunch today, Amen. Uh, but uh, we're just so thankful for each and every one of you that have made it to the house of the Lord this morning. Psalm sixty-nine, <clears throat> verse number nineteen, this morning. Uh, David pinning the words here says thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor my adversaries are all before thee reproach hath broken my heart and I am full of heaviness and I looked for some to take pity but there was none and for comforters but I found none they gave me also gall for my meat and in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Amen. He said in verse 20, reproach hath broken my heart. Amen. On this Easter Sunday morning, I'd like to minister to us today this subject matter. A broken heart for a broken relationship. A broken heart for a broken relationship just one more time i'm going to pray that god would help this old vessel of clay up here amen to, to, to help, perhaps help somebody out there today father i come to you right now asking oh lord jesus for your favor in this place god i pray lord let it be more than just mere words that are spoken today let something find a lodging place lord in someone's heart and soul something that someone can connect with lord jesus and identify with i pray oh lord jesus give us lord strength lord in the next few moments and god speak to us through your word god that word that is powerful and alive God will thank you and praise you for the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. You may be seated this morning. The lovely name of the Lord. A broken heart, broken heart for a broken relationship. From my understanding, being connected to people that have uh, been mechanics or worked on vehicles perhaps for years my father was one of those individuals that worked on vehicles for years and years from my understanding over the years the role of the mechanic has changed years ago a bad starter or a bad alternator in your vehicle or car was fixed on the component level that you could actually take those things apart you could fix them on the component level but now we live in our society that now you just replace the part. Just replace it. Throw it away. You don't fix anything on the component level anymore. If, if the part gets broken, it gets replaced rather than being fixed. But in today's world, I don't know if there's a generation or a certain sector of our generation that's coming on that's maybe a little bit more frugal or a little bit more of a hands-on generation that's interested in how things work. Uh, but there are many today that are do-it-yourselfers. They are attempting to fix their broken items, their broken parts themselves. And for that matter, uh, society has catered to them because there are books and libraries and uh, we have the internet and the websites all over the place that's dedicated to aid these people that's interesting 
interested in fixing things themselves, that it's going to help them do that. Step-by-step process through a book or through a website. It's going to tell them how to do it. And so you have these how-to sites or these DIY sites that you can search virtually anything for and to figure out how to do it yourself, how to fix your problem. And if it's not on a website or in a book, you can for sure go to the beloved YouTube and find videos upon videos that you can have access to. You might be more visually inclined and words don't do it for you, so you need the picture-by-picture play on how to get it done. And you can go to YouTube and you can look up a video and visually you can see, learn from a professional even. Some professionals even can tell you how to replace or fix that part and other maybe do-it-yourselfers, people that are notable, not, not amateurs anymore. They're called, they're called experts because they've done it more than one time. You can learn from them how to do it. And just for, for instance, a few months ago, whenever it was still very cold outside, uh, the blower in my car was not operating. Turn on low, turn it middle, turn it on high, and there was no air blowing in my vehicle. Needless to say, I wanted to be warm as I traveled even five minutes across town from home to church to church to home. And so as a result of it, though, I didn't, I didn't want to go to the mechanic, Brother Terry. I really didn't because I have gotten to know your place on a first-name basis over the years too well, okay? And, and so I, I wanted just to take matters into my own hand. And so I thought I would get on the Internet and look at some YouTube videos. And in the process of doing so, through a process of elimination, I went through fuses. I went through and thought, well, you know, it could be the blower motor. I took that thing out ended up it was a resistor to the blower motor and whenever I took that out that thing was broken in about three pieces it looks like a little circuit chip just broken in three pieces I, I went to a store Mike Penrod was with me went to the store and got a new resistor threw it in and boom it was fixed I want you to know if you got a car problem go see somebody else don't bring it to me <laughs> Amen. there's something I noticed Not with just cars, but even anything around the house. Never in my experience of fixing anything broken have I ever read or seen something broken fixing the broken. For that matter, that even goes a little bit against our human nature and reason to consider that the broken can fix, repair, or mend the broken. You know, the saying is a man is only as good as his tools are. You can't, you can't cut wood with a broken saw. You can't tighten a boat with a broken wrench. Even Hezekiah, he was questioned by the king of Assyria and asked Hezekiah, why do you have confidence and why do you trust in Egypt? Because according to the king, he said Egypt was a broken reed and if a man would even lean upon it, depend upon it, for support, it would pierce his hand. In other words, he says, something broken, Hezekiah, that, that's useless. No support there. Amen. There's no help that it can aid there. And so according to our mindsets, humanity, and maybe even the world, the idea and the concept is this. More brokenness is not the answer to the broken. Unless, of course, you're talking about our broken relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, in this world today, Broken things are despised. If something's broken, we're in the replacement world. Just get rid of it. Throw it away. No good. It's just good for trash. We no longer need that. We'll just throw it away. Get rid of it. If it's damaged goods, damaged goods are rejected. Not going to fix it. Not going to put your hands on it. 
And that includes people, folks. Even in marriages today, when relationships break down, the tendency is just to walk away, find something new. And so rather than working with reconciliation or working with fixing it, working with fixing the broken, the world then today is full of broken hearts and broken spirits and broken relationships. But back in the Garden of Eden, when man broke his relationship with God, God did not despise man. God did not throw him away or throw him out. No, God did not reject man whenever man rejected him. But he put into action from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Whenever that relationship became broken, God says, I'm gonna put in action a plan that I already have had devised just in case a scenario like this would show up. I'm gonna put in a plan whereby we can fix the broken relationship with man because folks, according to the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it is very replete and it's very plain that sin separates us from our God. No sooner the first couple had sinned and the Bible says that Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. Sin shows up and they're already starting to separate from the presence of the Lord. Sin forced the hand of God. The Bible says to drive Adam and his, his wife Eve from the garden. The Bible says he drove them from the garden. Amen. Pushing them. It looks like that God is pushing them out. But what God was really doing through that was loving them. He wasn't so much pushing them out as much as he was pushing the sin in their life out. Because sin had to be dealt with before they could have access to the tree of life. Couldn't let them in the garden have access to the tree of life with sin. It wasn't so much against them as it was against their sin. Because if he had allowed them in the garden partake of the tree of life, having sin in their life, they were going to be in a condition of sinfulness for the rest of their days. It was going to cause something that was for a moment only temporary. It was going to make it permanent if he allowed them access to the tree of life. So when he pushed them out, it wasn't against the person. It was against the sin. And so he did this. But with this, sin then causes the barrier. Sin causes the schism. It causes separation. It causes a broken relationship with God. It strains the relationship. Separated things strain the relationship. And so it breaks the relationship with God altogether. So here is the dilemma that God has on his hands. What am I going to do with a broken relationship with mankind? Well, let's get real this morning. I make a short list too whenever something breaks. <laughs> And I start asking the questions that maybe some of you ask. How much is it going to cost? Can it be fixed? How long will it take to fix it? How am I going to get by until it's fixed? Can I do it myself? Or do I need somebody else to handle it? Is it worth fixing? The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18, he writes and says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, 
who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. How much was it going to cost to take care of the broken relationship? It was going to cost much. It was going to cost the precious blood of Christ. Could it be fixed? Certainly it could. He said that it could be redeemed, which meant it could be fixed. How long was it going to take for this thing to be fixed? Can I say this? It was fixed instantaneously once the price was paid. Mm -hmm. It was fixed the very moment that the price was paid. But even greater than that, the plan for fixing it was already in order before the very foundation of the world. But he just implemented it at the right time for you and for me. It was going to cost the blood. It could be done. And yes, it could be fixed instantaneously. Folks, how in the world though? What's, how, how was God, listen to me, how was God going to get by though until this process of fixing could be done? I'll tell you how God got by. In the Old Testament times, we read in Scripture many times, at sundry times, that means many times, God moved on people. Amen. He moved on people before it was fixed. And whenever he made himself a body called Jesus Christ and came down, he moved with alongside people. That's how he got by until he got it fixed. But after Calvary, through and by his spirit called the Holy Ghost, he moved inside of people. He, how did he get by? At first he moved on them. Then he moved with and alongside them. But was all said and done, he moved inside of them by virtue of his spirit. That's how he got by. Am I going to have to outsource this? Or can I take care of it myself? No one else had to handle God's broken relationship with man except God. The scripture told us in Peter that silver and gold couldn't do it. Silver and gold couldn't redeem. The Old Testament, around Exodus 12, we read about the Passover and all of that correlates with the Passover, Jesus Christ being our Passover. But in the Old Testament Passover, just as the blood had to be on the lintel and the doorposts for the Passover, just as that lamb had to be spotless, the blood... Amen. That was used. Amen. In our instance of sealing this broken relationship, it had to come from a sinless life, so it couldn't be outsourced. Nobody else could take care of it because there was no life like that found on the earth. There was no human being upon the earth that was sinless, blameless, spotless because there was a broken relationship that started this thing, humanity, off from the very beginning. And since Adam and Eve had a broken relationship, everyone that was born from Adam and Eve begins in this life with a broken, tainted relationship for all of humanity. So nobody could handle it but God. He couldn't outsource it. He couldn't give it to an angel to do. He couldn't give it to somebody else upon the earth to do. He says, no, I'm going to have to fix this myself. I'm going to have to take care of this all by myself. In so much in John 1, if we'll allow the, the scriptures to preach to us this morning. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. 
the word was God verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth the word God became flesh first Timothy 3 16 what why did God do that because God had a problem to fix all by himself and nobody else could do it first Timothy 3 16 without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles believed on in the world received up unto glory he had a problem to fix he came down in the form of Jesus Christ because he had a problem to fix 2 Corinthians 5.21 speaking of this individual for he hath made him to be sin for us Christ was made sin for us what's he doing he's fixing a problem he's fixing a dilemma he's not replacing it he's not dejecting it he's not rejecting He says, I'm going to take it on my shoulders and I'm going to fix it. He didn't know no sin, but he came acquainted with sin because he had a broken relationship to fix. Can't allow anybody else to handle this. I'm going to take care of it myself. But God, was it worth fixing? You tell me this morning, was it worth fixing? Look at Calvary with a tender eye today and tell me, was it worth fixing? Tell me whether or not God thought this broken relationship between him and you was worth fixing as you look at Calvary today. Isaiah said, speaking of Christ, that his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Do you think God thought it was worth fixing? That Christ Jesus' visage, his body, would be marred more than any other man that had ever lived and his form even altered by all the persecution and agony. went, honey, if he allowed that, he thought the relationship was worth fixing. Woo! You tell me whether or not he thought mending a broken relationship was worth it. I'm convinced this morning, folks, that he thought it was worth it. And so let's go grab our favorite scripture of over all the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He thought it was worth fixing. Let me back up. Because sometimes we speak about Calvary, death, burial, and resurrection as something in the past. But its reality is still for today. What I'm saying this morning, not every relationship with God that's ever been broken has been fixed yet. And he still thinks it's worth fixing. He still thinks it's worth mending. He still... The price is already paid. He's already came down. The action's already be done. He still thinks you, sir, and you, ma'am, are worth it. He's not going to write you off. He's not going to throw you away as refuge. God is in the business of mending broken relationships. Psalm 69 is headed as a psalm of David. The exact moment in David's life that, that corresponds with this psalm, because you know David sometimes was in the pasture, sometimes he was a fugitive as he's writing these psalms. And as he reads all this, David's life, we don't know what part of David's life corresponds with Psalm 69. It's very difficult to pinpoint. 
But what we do know, what I, what I glean from reading Psalm 69 is this. That whatever David was experiencing, I know that he must have been going through some very great difficulty at this time in his life. Difficulty that was, if I could even say, making him more like Jesus, the Jesus Christ to come, the Jesus Christ that would come from David's lineage. As a matter of fact, Psalm 69, if you read it in its entirety, in many respects, it's what people might call a messianic psalm or a psalm that is relating to or even somewhat about the Messiah or, if you will, Jesus Christ. Because many of the concepts in Psalm 69 and the verses that are in Psalm 69 are used and quoted again in New Testament Scripture relating to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, there is no other portion of Scripture besides Psalms 22. There's no other portion of Scripture that is quoted as frequently as Psalm 69 is in the New Testament Scripture. And so not only was David perhaps dealing with difficulty and dealing with some heartache, but he was really being conditioned as he was called the man that was after God's own heart. He was really becoming the pattern for that. And so with what David relayed to us in Psalm 69 wasn't just his story, but it was the story of the Savior that was to come. And through 69, don't, don't, we don't only get to look inside of David's life, but we get a glimpse into the life of the Christ child that was to come. Because there's some great relationships between the Psalm of David and Jesus Christ. Consider some of these phrases that are found in Psalm 69 that could relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, my throat is dry from the cross. He cried that he thirst. He said, they that hate me without a cause. He spoke that in New Testament scripture as well. They're hating me and they have no cause, no purpose. Pilate even says, I find no fault with him. They were hating him without a cause. He says in Psalm 69, I've borne reproach. Christ said many times that he bore the reproach. In 69, he says, I'm a stranger unto my brethren. That's what happened. In New Testament scripture, even his own brethren seemed to deny him. He says in Psalm 69, I'm an alien to my mother's children. His own siblings were somewhat estranged from him in the New Testament. He says, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Jesus Christ said, enter into the temple. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. He says, the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. Christ said that. He said, hide not thy face from thy servant. Christ thought his God, his Lord was, was, was forsaking him. His father was forsaking him. He says, there was none that gave me pity. David says in Psalm 69, none that gave me comfort. And when we look at the story of Calvary and the cross, the Bible says that his own disciples forsook him and fled. Says the priests and the scribes and all the common people that were around the cross, they weren't there for moral support. They were there to mock him and ridicule him. The thieves, even that hung on the left and on the right, they were reviling the Lord, so he's feeling forsaken and forgotten. In the last verse that I read in our scripture setting today, verse 21, the Bible says that David's talking about, in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink, and we know. That when the Lord thirsts, they came with vinegar to try to give him to drink. So there's a lot of similarities. But perhaps the greatest of all of these statements is this simple statement found in verse 20. He said, reproach hath broken my heart. I believe we can stand here today and come to a common ground when I say I believe we all agree that no one, and hear me out, no one killed the Lord. Bible plainly tells us that Christ laid down his life. Nobody took life. He gave life. No matter what they did, 
no matter the scourging, no matter the stripes on the back, the crown of thorns, the nails through hands and feet, nobody would have been able to take his life had he not offered his life. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He gave his life. Now, history records that people that were crucified, these rebels many times would last for days upon days upon crosses until they died. So crucifix alone would not have taken the life or rendered our Lord lifeless in so short a time. If I could say it like this, he died on a cross, but he didn't die by a cross. Christ intentionally, listen to me, he intentionally allowed reproach to break his heart. They have modern, they have modern saying for this. They call it the broken heart syndrome. They say today that grief is proportional to intimacy. In other words, if you love someone a lot, if there's ever a broken relationship there, it will cause you greater grief because you were more intimate or more loving toward that person. So the more you love somebody, the more you are hurt when that person rejects you. And that's what we call being vulnerable in life. You'll never love if, if, you're, if you're afraid of being hurt. You'll never love because you got to get close to someone to love. But then loving them makes you vulnerable for the chance of maybe perhaps being hurt. But with Christ, the Bible says, the reproach he bore was not his own. He bore, everybody say, our reproach. He bore our reproach, the reproach of humanity. The statement, the statement was this, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree and since he hung on a tree he was cursed but that was not of his own making that was of ours because of us it was a reproach to him but it wasn't his own it was ours the Bible makes these statements concerning the Lord bearing our reproach and listen now he allowed he allowed that reproach to break his heart the Bible says he was being made a curse for us the Bible says that he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows Reproach. The Bible says in the garden that he was exceeding sorrowful even unto death who is allowing reproach to take him to death, allowing it. The Bible says that he was in agony. The Bible says in the garden his sweat was as though it were great drops of blood and only a person under great stress and agonizing pressure and sorrow experiences their capillaries in their body bursting from the pressure, the stress, and thus coming through their pores, the blood mixed with the sweat. It's actually, actually scientific. Amen. He had all that reproach, and he was allowing all of that to impact him. He was allowing it to break his heart, if you will. Now listen to me. I got a point before it's all said and done. But my agenda this morning is not to argue every little detail of Calvary about whether they pierced his side before or after he died. And there's all kinds of little things people argue about out there. Amen. But regardless of the timing of when they pierced the Lord's side, pathologists, other higher medical people and authorities have concluded that nothing could produce blood and water from his side unless it was a ruptured broken heart the only thing that can account that blood and water would come from the side was that there was a ruptured broken heart that made possible blood and water to flow from the pierced side of Jesus the soldiers had to hasten the death 
of those crucified that day. And so they approach the three there and they're breaking the legs of the two thieves. But when they come to Jesus, he was already dead. And just as the Passover lamb of years ago, whenever they prepared it, none of its bones could be broken. None of Jesus' bones was broken or shall be broken as well as they spoke in John. But here is the thing. In Isaiah 53, and I, I really related it to you earlier today when we went to prayer. In Isaiah 53 and 5, the Bible says, but he, speaking of Christ, was wounded. Everybody say wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Say bruised. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement. Everybody say chastisement. Of our peace was upon him. And with his, everybody, stripes, we are healed. Now on the surface, all of those are different terms. Some people might consider them terms of brokenness, all right? Where the broken fixed the broken. Wounds took care of transgressions. Bruises took care of iniquities. Chastisement took care of discord because it said it was the chastisement of our peace. We got peace because he took care of the discord through chastisement. Stripes was for our sickness and our disease. They said by stripes we were healed. Were you only healed if you were sick? He took care of the sickness. And so I suppose this morning that in certain terms, wounded, bruised, chastisement, stripes, I, I suppose this morning all those terms and all those words might allude to brokenness. Yet there was only one aspect, listen to me now, of his agony leading up to Calvary and even involving during Calvary that was spoken of by the psalmist as plainly being broken. And that was the heart. Reproach hath broken my heart. Why? Why? The heart. God allowed the heart to be broken. He was the one that was in control of all this in reality. He could have allowed, he could have said my flesh was broken. It, it, it could have been a variety of things that he could relate. He could have said they broke my spirit. They broke my mind. But he chose that his heart would be the organ that would be broken. According to the Bible, the heart is the very center of man. Not just the center of man spiritually and his spiritual activity, but it's the center of man for his human life. In so much that a person many times, the heart represents the man himself. Amen. You're identified by what kind of heart you have. You know, you're wise, you're good, you're horrid, you're bad. They have a good heart. What are you talking about? They're a good person. The heart then represents the man himself. Walk with me here. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 24, this is a verse of scripture that relates to communion. Relates to communion. A time of very close fellowship between Christ and his disciples, between God and humanity. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 24, and when he had given thanks, he break it. Everybody say he break it. And said, Jesus speaking, take eat. This is my body. Listen to me. Which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Again, the setting here, these words are speaking about communion. And Jesus says, this is my body, which is 
broken for you. Brother Cox, Jesus spoke of his body being broken because the heart, which represents the man himself, he allowed to be broken. Now again, listen to me. It was the only part of the body that was ever spoken of throughout the whole scripture of ever being broken. Bones weren't broken. Yeah, there were woundings, bruisings, piercings, chastisements, but the heart was the only thing spoken of as being broken. So when he said my body was broken, we know there was no bone broken. He must have been talking about that part of his body that he allowed to be broken, which was his heart. Hallelujah. And so he says during this time of communion, he's sharing the bread and the wine, the body, if you will, and the blood. And it brought communion between Christ and his disciples, between God and his people. It was a time of fellowship, if I could say this. It was a time where it brought man and God into relationship. Hmm. And so in this intimate setting where people entered into a relationship called communion with the Lord, he says, take, this is my body that is broken for you. Look, if you will, at John six fifty six, another occurrence where communion was taking place. The Bible says that Jesus spoke to those. He said, he that eateth my flesh, speaking of the bread, and drinketh of my blood, speaking of the cup, dwelleth in me and I in him. What is that? Relationship. Relationship. And so when I read through the Gospels and I read Corinthians, all of those places that I read concerning this act of communion, listen to me, in every instance in the Gospels and Corinthians where I read about communion, the bread was always shared first and then the cup. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. That being said, fellowship or relationship or us dwelling in him and he in us could not happen. They couldn't get the cup until they got the bread. Listen to me. But they couldn't have the bread until it was broken. And the only thing that was ever broken was the heart. So it took a broken heart to mend a broken relate. Hallelujah. Because whenever the heart was broken, that represented the body of that man. Whenever it was broken, it paved the path. It made a way for the relationship between God and man to be healed. For the relationship between God and man, amen, to be brought back together. God says, I'm gonna take care of this myself. It's worth fixing. It's worth mending. I'm gonna come down in flesh. I'm gonna go to a cross. I'm gonna allow not my bones be broken. They can wound me and pierce me, but I'm gonna allow my heart to be broken because when it's broken, it'll provide the body and the blood that's needed to mend the relationship. A broken heart for a broken relationship. Someone say amen. If you'll stand with me this morning.
The only part that was called broken was the heart. He allowed his heart to be broken because he had a relationship that needed mended. Matter of fact, today for us, my title seems a little paradoxical. That the way to mend the broken is to have more brokenness. That's what it took. That's what it took. It took a broken heart to mend the broken relationship. Some come to this juncture in the road of the year and they're a little appalled at Calvary. They see something mauled at Calvary. But see, God sees something being mended. We see sometimes something that is finished, but God sees something being fixed by Calvary. Sure, you can look at it. And as any artist may depict it, yeah, there's the blood and there's the pain and there's the agony and there's the shame and there's the brokenness. But this morning, folks, that's what it takes when you're not willing to replace the relationship. That's what it takes when you're not willing to throw it all away. That's what it takes when you're not willing to cast it aside as refuse. It takes blood. It takes agony. It takes pain. It takes allowing the heart to be broken to mend the relationship. When it's worth fixing, that's what you do. What are you saying this morning? Pastor McGee, I'm saying this. Folks, he'll pay, he'll pay blood to get you back. He'll pay blood to get you back. He'll allow, listen to me, he'll allow his own heart to be broken before he'll allow yours to be let go. Hallelujah. If we bow our heads all across this building today, the Lord is here with us this morning and we're celebrating perhaps an act of something past, but its impact is ever-present. May have happened in our history, but its effectiveness is still causing ripples in the water of our generation. Now, I'm standing here among a group of people today that you may have pulled your carcass into this sanctuary this morning, having a broken relationship with God, having a broken relationship with your Savior. For that matter, there may be a lot of luggage that you have towed in here today. A broken relationship with God has virtually made broken relationships in your life, perhaps with men or women or with family. You have just been on a downward spiral, it would seem, from the moment of birth. I'm here to relate to you this morning. The only thing that can mend that broken relationship between you and God has already taken place, and that's a broken heart. But he's trying to let you understand this morning that he's still paying even for you. He's not desiring to cast you aside. He's not desiring to throw you away. He wants to mend this relationship with you this morning. If there be anybody in the sound of my voice with bowed heads and closed eyes today, if there be anybody in the sound of my voice, amen, guest or, or a saint maybe that attends here regularly today that says, Brother McGee, I, I need to partake in that broken heart because I got a broken relationship between me and God that needs to be mended. If that's you this morning, you can raise your hand. God sees and knows. I'm not looking today. God sees and knows. God, I, I need that in my life today. I need that 
mending. I don't want to be dejected. I don't want to be cast aside. There's a lot of woes in my life, but Lord, I know, Jesus, you have the ability of healing them all. I know you have the ability, Lord Jesus, of curing them all. And it will take his brokenness to heal our brokenness. It'll take his, his break, amen, to, to, to heal our, our broken. God is able to do it today. If you want to come to pray this morning, these are... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.